We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on when you're tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Roto Grinders Food for Thought podcast. I'm the host, Justin Carlucci, aka the Luch. Almost forgot my name there, Will Priester. It's been a great couple of days of jam-packed football, and we're here to talk about it. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the season so far. Um, you know, and, and there have been some awkward spots. There have been some teams that uh, have, have kind of come out of nowhere, if you will. And so I, I think this is a it's it's an interesting time to be watching football. Let, let me just say that, um, you know, we'll we'll go over some of these games and go over a few things. But I, I'm really excited about uh, what I think this season could become in some of these divisions, uh, just from a from a fan perspective, and not my team, just football in general, I think it's it's very interesting um, to just see some of these things unfold. So I, I'm I'm super excited, and uh, let's let's get it cracking. Yeah, we're finally starting to see some trends. We're finally starting to see the true colors of some of these teams and some of these schemes and figuring out who they really are. And there's a couple of teams where we are still thinking, 
what the hell and scratching our heads a little bit and some more surprises from week to week. This is a crazy league and that's why we love it. We talked about it last week with our great guest Berg. Shout out to Berg. Thanks for coming on about throw everything out the window from a week to week basis because nothing always, nothing truly carries over in a sport where one play can dictate a shift of a million different things, including game yeah. script and game flow, let alone let alone the outcome of a win or a loss. Man, I think we have to start our elephant in the room segment and, and go back to Thursday. And, you know, we don't want to burn this image in our head any longer than what it was, but we have to talk about the Tua situation, at least ever so briefly. I know all the mainstream talking heads had a lot of time on this already since we've been tuning in, but what are what are your thoughts on that situation? Do you feel like anybody was negligent in handling Tua's health? I mean, you know, it's hard to point fingers when we don't know everything that happens behind closed doors. But like, were you surprised he was good to go going into last Thursday night football, or a quote unquote um, good to go anyway? If here's the deal: if the if the team doctors sign off on it, uh, and a neurologist signs off on it, then I mean. You know what? What is the coach supposed to do? But what? Here, here's what I will say. Here's what I'll say. Overall, sometimes it's just good to just you know embrace good old common sense. The guy's stumbling around, like keep him off the field a little bit. Um, and from whatever, from what I've gathered, um, especially with the, the team doctor getting fired, it seems like the organization put winning before Tua's health. Now, that's what it seems like on the outside, right. right? I wasn't in the room for the evaluations. I am not a doctor. All I am giving is a personal opinion. Correct. Once again, I do not have a PhD. I, I didn't graduate from any type of medical school whatsoever. Not at all. But, you know... If you look at them stumbling around after the hit, it seemed like something was wrong, right? And if something was wrong, I think you get him out and make sure that he's okay. Um, and then now, you know, it seems as if he experienced a second trauma within less than a week. And then, of course, now, you know, it's, you know, then we get the the, the Thursday night image of him, you know, laying on the field with his hands locked up and having to be carted off. Uh, so you know, it's it's just not a good look for the Miami Dolphins organization, and it comes across that winning was more important than the players' health when when something actually looked like it was wrong. Like, okay, if a, you know, if a player doesn't show that something's wrong, you know, maybe they get hit on the arm and they don't say anything to the train. Like that's on them. They, they, the players got to say, "Hey, man, I, I'm hurt," right? But if there's a noticeable concern, I think you have to look into it. And from what it looks like, from my small vantage point here in South Carolina, watching the television on Sunday and listening to other people comment on it, it seems like they did not get this call right. Really well said. It's not often we go on serious tangents here, but that was that was really well done. I applaud you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's gracefully taking his bow, by the way, uh, if you can't see it. But, uh, you know, I'm with you, and it was just the perfect 
storm, the recipe for disaster. He could have went through that game unscathed, got hit a million different ways, and we never would have known. Like we really wouldn't know unless we're under his helmet, unless we're walking in his shoes and walking under his helmet, Chief, you or I or anybody else doesn't know how he's feeling, right? We really don't yeah. know. But and I don't think there was any foul play on the tackle, the sack. It, you know, it was just the way he landed, it was just like, you know, the one in 75 chance that he smacked his head the way he did. And, and it was bad. Um, it's fantastic to hear that he seems to be doing well and trending in the right direction. And I mean, I don't even care about him playing football. It was just great to see. Hopefully he's on his feet and, and, you know, he'll be back and healthy as can be soon. Cause that is just, that was so scary. And, you know, freaking Amazon was just showing it replay after replay of course twitter was like what are you doing amazon but yeah you know good 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 news trending positively he's not playing this week uh but you know you got a very competent backup in teddy bridgewater now you know we're getting into the 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 sports side of it now and not the you know humanitarian talk so you know x's and o's teddy bridgewater you know maybe one of the best two backup quarterbacks in the league so of course there's some kind of drop off between tua and teddy but you know theodore looked Looked pretty good back there. Oh, getting thrown right in, all things considered. Uh, you know, he was all right, and you know, we'll see how uh, how long two is out moving forward. Um, that game collectively, you know, since we're talking about that game, took a while for the Bengals to get going. Uh, but eventually they pulled it out, and T. Higgins had an absolute field day. They were really jamming, jamming all the receivers and making Jamar Chase uh, a high priority, as they should, but you know, that really opened up Higgins in one-on-one. And I don't think there's a big skill gap difference between Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Uh, and it, it showed because he kind of single-handedly uh, took over that game. A lot of Joe Mixon betters were really pissed off because he had all this volume and he was running into a brick wall the entire game, Chief. Well, you know, the, the thing with the Bengals is this. You got to understand that Jamar is still the number one guy. But because he's the number one guy, what are teams doing now? They're trying to cover him. Guess what, folks? Jamar still had over 80 yards receiving in that game. Like, it's not like, you know, he, he had four catches for 81 yards. T had seven for 124. If Jamar Chase gets seven more catches, do you think he ends over 100, Luge? I mean, if he gets three more catches, do you think he ends up over 100 yards? He's probably really close. Hmm. So teams really aren't doing a great job with the Bengals' pass offense. Jamar still punched him in the mouth for 81, right? A quiet, a quiet 81. And, and, and T hits them for 124. And Tyler Boyd wasn't even involved in this game that much. So, you know, the Bengals' problem is going to be their offensive line. If yeah. they fix that, no one's going to be able to stop this offense in a general sense, right? Easy, and that, easy, easier said than done because that offensive line has been a mess for a year and a half now. But you're right. Yeah. Fix that damn but, thing. But so 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 my question is, when are teams going to stop leaving T Higgins on an island? Because at some point, do you get what I'm saying? Like if he keeps torching teams every week, at some point they're going to say, "Look, guys, we can't play. We can't try to you know shade Jamar Chase and leave T Higgins on an island with who we whoever we last week he was torching their best corner. It's not like he had some nobody on. Right. He was torching the best corner on Miami." So at some point, teams are going to have to play them straight up, and guess what's going to happen? Jamar Chase is going to be popping them for 100, just like that. I mean, it's it's how it works. 
does he just demand that? Does he just get that name recognition because he has he's like slightly more highly touted than T. Higgins? Like, do the X's and O's, the football guy coaches, the meathead coaches, are they just gonna shade their coverage toward Jamar Chase because it's Jamar Chase, even if T. Higgins is ripping everybody? You know what I mean? But like when you look at it, like they are just T. Higgins is a monster. He, well, but here's I'm, the thing. If I'm you leave Jamar Chase, if you give Jamar Chase single coverage, what do you think is going to happen? The exact same thing. That's the problem. Right. They, they can't. They. It's like we we can only give one of these guys a leash. We are the other one. Peak. We've got to cover them. We're in a peak. A peak. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, let Russ cook debacle because it could very well be one or the other every week from here on out. Right. If that offense, I mean, Joe Mixon will be fine off volume. And by the way, Joe Mixon's running a lot of routes out of the backfield. I can't believe he didn't get there receiving-wise um, last week. But, uh, you know, I'm pulling a Chris Collinsworth here. Here's a guy in T. Higgins who is big and fast. Like, there aren't many people like him and Jamar Chase on the same side of the football. We're spending a lot of time in the Bengals here. But, yeah, I mean, listen, they got to get the ball to these two guys. And, and credit Joe Burrow for not really forcing it to Chase and really picking on T. Higgins, who was on an island in one-on-one. I mean, he was doing the right things, and it finally worked out in the second half. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if both of these guys uh, had a really nice second half because they're getting the target market share. They're demanding the air yards and that offense, and Tyler Boyd is simply kind of the security blanket and, and the red zone guy. So I'll let you finish up if you have anything else on the Bengals-Dolphins and then give me another elephant in the room from this week. No, I'm good, man. I, I think we can just kind of let that – sit there um this may drastically change the dolphin season but but we'll see um i think my my elephant in the room this week uh and hear me out here i'm going to a no not a no day team but a team that hasn't been great for a series of years but they seem to be trying to turn a corner and that's the detroit lions and when you have a team like the Seahawks come into town, it feels like you need to beat the Seahawks, right? If you really want to turn the corner. Now, here's I'm going to give them a slight pass. And by slight, I mean slight for this reason. Amon Ross St. Brown is out. Swift is out. Uh, who else? There was another guy that was out, I think. Uh, you know, they just they had some injuries in key spots. They're out. Oh, yeah. So DJ, it, DJ Chark was gone, too. Yeah, DJ Chark is out. And so in the end – they still almost win the game, but that's the Lions. Almost doesn't count. Like, you've got to st- – if you really want to turn a corner in this league, you got to win these types of games at home, and they still have not been able to accomplish that. Now, when I look at this team, do I feel like the culture is different? I do. But I want to take us back to something, Luch. And, look, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, and, and, and I'm open to it. This isn't something I have – the strongest of convictions on. So, so don't, I don't want people to think that, but during the Jim Caldwell era, this team was actually winning. They were going to the playoffs, right? And they just could not get over the hump. Do you remember that? Of course. They, they were a playoff team, but just, just couldn't get over the hump. So they fired Jim Caldwell. I want to know how many winning seasons they've had since then. Now this was a team that was winning and Jim Caldwell was fired. How many winning seasons do you think they've had since that fire? None. Exactly. And so th- there goes my point. A lot of times, you know, we, we fire a coach 
and we think it's the right thing to do because we see other teams firing coaches with winning records and bringing in young coaches, the shiny new toy. And guess what happens, Luch? They get worse because that seasoned coach knew the team. And, yeah, and look, there's a such thing I think is needing a new voice in the locker room. But And I get that. But we've seen it with tons of teams, the Colts, the Eagles. Now, the Eagles are on their way back. But, you know, uh, tons of teams, the Cardinals, but tons of teams we've seen it with. And you would think that teams would learn their lesson by now. The Browns have had 30 coaches. The Giants, you know, they they get rid of um, – oh, gosh, Jesus. He, oh. Coughlin. Well, yeah, get rid of Coughlin. And, and, and mind you, it was probably time for him to go. I, I understand that. But they haven't had a winning season since Coughlin. You know what I mean? And so um, – and I, and I know this is about the Lions, but – Gosh, I'm really hoping. I'm, I'm almost secretly a Lions fan this year. I'm hoping that they can have a record above 500 for a change. They're in that beautiful um, transition where they're fun. And now soon, some serious changes are going to have to make. Like, the roster's getting there. Got to make some action in that secondary. Like, I'm glad they invested some assets into some young defensive linemen. So, you got the shiny new Ferraris, and sooner or later, you need the garage, uh, you know, above it and behind it. So, you know, they're finally fun, but soon it's going to be like, all right, we're fun, but now we got to become good. And like, they're inching ever so closely. I mean, they played some very competitive one score games, man. And you, like, you mentioned culture opening week. Looks like the Eagles were going to blow them out of the water. Surely enough, here comes football guy Dan Campbell. His team plays for him. Those guys are running through a brick wall for Dan Campbell, I think. Uh, we're talking, what was it, a field goal game? I mean, this game was a shootout, and they could have rolled over. Uh, DK Metcalf was feasting. What a what a fun shootout with Metcalf. Hawkinson on the other side looking like primetime Tony Gonzalez or something. And Geno Smith looked like he was torturing people for 500 yards at West Virginia. Geno Smith playing some competent football. I mean, I know he's had some easier matchups, but one could argue he's playing at a higher level than Russell Wilson is right now. This Denver team we spent so much time talking about with all of our guests, we just can't figure him out. What did Berg say last week? He was trashing Nathaniel Hackett, and he was right about how it was just a horrible fit. And my, my panic meter has drastically risen about the Denver Broncos. We'll get to them. Before we get to them, we come on the show and – we talk about when we're wrong a lot, you know, this is a safe space, which is good. But can we just like pat ourselves on the back a little bit? First of all, get on over there to scores and odds because the parlay IQ tool for same game parlays is unbelievable. Our projections team, which is intertwined with the Roto Grinders projections team, runs thousands of game simulations. You put together a same game parlay. As soon as you add one leg to your bet slip, it changes the correlations and you can see what fits best with your selections. And every time you add a leg to that parlay slip, the data will change. And you can see what statistically makes sense based on thousands of simulations and what does not. Um, and we had, we had Chris Gimino, uh had a monster payday a couple weeks ago using the tool, like monster, thousands of dollars. So definitely worth checking out at Scores and Odds. Heading into Monday Night Football, our guys, our NFL experts at Scores and Odds, collectively are up over 40 units. That is just an amazing start. I want to virtually shake your hand, though, because you and I went back to the big dog. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week, we pounded on the table about Derrick Henry, and boy, oh boy, did he pay off for us, my friend. So so let's talk about that, right? And so, you know, I guess this will be a, a small prop segment. And it's just sometimes it's, you just got to use common sense. Why in the world would the books ever have Derrick Henry at 70 and a half yards because of a, a bad start, right? They over-adjusted because of the bad start. But here's what had not changed for Derrick Henry, his involvement in the offense. Nothing had changed. And so we got this mass. It was almost like a discounted prop in a sense. And, you know, I had to one of the prop shops say, well, you know, uh, you know, the Colts have been really stingy against the run. Well, that may be true, but the Colts hadn't seen Derrick Henry. They had, they had not seen King Henry. And I think King, King Henry had to ramp up just like anybody else. He was out half the year, needed to kind of find his footing. And guess what? For, mm-hmm. for Derrick Henry, if they haven't realized, the longer the season goes, the better he gets, actually. Because teams are wearing down and he's getting tougher. And so, you know, it's week three, right? Or week four? Week three. That was week four. That was week Week four. four. Wow, yeah. So it's week four, and he comes out at 70 and a half. And I said, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. Had him in plenty of stuff on prize picks. At prize picks, he was at 73 and a half. I didn't care. Uh, Guess what, folks? Hit it in the first half. Yes, sir. There you go. You know, it's almost like he didn't play in any preseason either. Looked terrible in week one. Oh, Henry looks slow. He's washed. Derrick Henry afterthought. Week two, a little bit better. Was great against the Raiders. Looks like he had some pep in his step. The line blocked really well. And I think, you know, the Titans showed me something. And maybe the biggest game of the season for them that can really define a division push or not, because this thing is wide open. And they go into Indy and they score 24 first-half points. Now, the team that drives me crazy from week to week and puts me on mood swings Monday mornings, they are getting outscored 64-7 to in the second half of games. So I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but Henry looked great, and his best run of the game was called back due to a hold. I mean, we saw vintage Derrick Henry, and um, you know that was, that was one of my kind of elephants in the room. The Titans getting a huge win on the road, getting back to 2-2. Two and two. They collapsed against the Giants in the opening week. We remember that. They could have laid down. They go and get slaughtered at Buffalo. They could have just quit right there. 0-2, 
everything sucks. They play a big game against the Raiders, who were a playoff team last season, who have all these weapons. They held Devontae Adams in check. They win a big ball game. They go to Indy as three-and-a-half-point dogs and just manhandle them in the first half. It was much closer in the second half, but they get a big win. And that's why we love NFL football. But that's classic Tennessee Titans winning the games they shouldn't on paper and losing the ones that they should. And we'll see what happens moving forward. You know, Mike Vrabel, you know, much like Dan Campbell, just has that locker room. He just has that locker room. He's one of those guys yeah. that keeps him on an even keel. And and we'll see where the Titans go. I mean, Derrick Henry looks fresh. Um, we're going to talk about injuries soon. I really thought Traylon Brooks broke his ankle. I was you know, really worried about that. Looks like he just has turf toe. We know that could linger. Going to miss a couple weeks, but that could have been a hell of a lot worse um, for Traylon Burks and that offense, who I think is going to really start coming into his zone when he gets healthier in the second half and they get him more incorporated. So big win for the Titans, you know, getting back to 500 and for the Colts, you know, losing to the Jaguars and losing to the Titans and tying Houston. It's not great for your divisional hopes right off the bat, especially, you know, when you have identical records and things at the end of the season and you're losing all the tiebreakers. So my one of my elephants in the room is, of course, you know, I'm a Pennsylvania guy, New Yorker at heart. The Eagles were off to an absolutely hard start this week. Hurts with the pick six. The Jaguars looked really good. This was the first time the Eagles really had adversity this season, for the most part, in a regular season game. We, we needed to see how... Jalen Hurts would do, you know, A.J. Brown, new face in the offense. If Sirianni could keep the play calling fairly balanced. And you know what? They just gradually, gradually, gradually plugged away at it. The Jaguars shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, put the ball on the ground, and the Eagles were able to take advantage of it. So I'm going to give credit to where it's due. The Philadelphia Eagles have earned every ounce of national media attention that they're currently getting as the last undefeated team in football. I don't care that it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't care if it was the Pee Wee Giants. I don't care who it was, the little Giants. They were in a hole. They scrapped all the way back, and they took control of the game when it counted, and the Eagles are a huge threat to maybe even make a deep Super Bowl run. So I really wanted to see something like that out of the Eagles where there was no momentum, and everything that could go wrong in the first half did, and they were able to claw all the way back just from a fan perspective, and, and I hope they stay healthy, and I hope they keep the ball rolling because that team's a lot of fun to watch, Chief. Yeah, man, absolutely. Here's what I will say, though. The Jacksonville Jaguars did what they were supposed to do as a team that's growing and developing and trying to get better. They pushed the Eagles a little bit, and then their youth showed as the game went down to stretch, right? like that. That's pretty much what happened. And so for Jacksonville, here's what I think Jacksonville's goal is. And this is about the Eagles, but I, I'm going to come back to them because we talked about Jacksonville a little bit last week. So I just kind of want to, to talk about them a little bit as well. Uh, what they've got to do is say, okay, let's handle our division, right? Like th that that should be their goal this year. Let, let's handle our division. If they handle the division – they're going to come out just fine in the end, right? And even if they don't go all the way, handling the division is going to open it up for this young team to get the experience. like that. So that's what they've got to do, handle the division. If you do that, the wins will come. The wins will come. You're muted, my brother. 
I'm good for that. Huge culture change there, bringing in Doug Peterson, uh, Urban Meyer. That that whole situation, I don't think could be could have been any worse. That was, you know. So we're seeing positive steps here with Jacksonville, and they're going to be a threat. This AFC South is wide open. These teams all have flaws. They all have injuries. I know the Titans are in a body bag for sure. Of course, the Colts are dealing with Jonathan Taylor and God knows what. Shaq Leonard got hurt too. But they're also, you know, I, I want to I want to respectfully say I don't know about the Jaguars, but I I would not want to see a Colts or a Titans team in February, January. You know, they're a team that yeah. can get win the division, get in, and they have enough grit and veteran leadership that no one's going to want to see them. You know, if the Jaguars get in, it'll be a great story. You know, they've never been there before, though, Chief, right? Like, that's a moment. Like, they, it just seems like that's a moment. They're, they're kind of on the same path as Detroit is, maybe like a step ahead of Detroit, right? Like, yeah, but not by much. They're fun and they're going to be competitive. Um, and that, that division race is, is going to be big. Um, what else from Sunday, you know, caught your attention? Any big games or big moments? Uh, I think the last thing I'll say is, um, and look, man, I'm, I'm going to talk about two things very quickly. Um, I'm not going to hammer in my Aaron Rodgers takes, but they, they won in overtime against the Patriots with the third string quarterback. Okay. That, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, the Broncos. Look, I, I picked the Broncos to win the division and I probably got that wrong. Now it's early. They could turn this thing around, but I don't think they're going to win the division. They could possibly still make the playoffs. Um, Javante going down, man, uh, that's just tough, man. But all in all, this team does not look good at all. I, I've only seen them maybe move the ball what I feel like. Well, I didn't watch the game on Sunday, so I, I can't talk about it. But I did watch some of the other games, and they just they just seem out of sync. And uh, – so at any rate, I, you know, I, I'm going to stick with my pick because that's the direction. But I don't feel good about it. Um, th- they've got to do something here with this team or with this offense, right, to, to make it easier to move the ball, easier to reach something. Because it's, 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 it feels like 1950s football here. And it's just, it's just it's, it's not a fun team to watch. Like, I'd rather watch the Lions lose than watch the Broncos win, if that makes any sense. Well, the it's problem not a fun team. on top of getting their chemistry together and getting on the same page, they are just not a disciplined football team. I'm asking you a rhetorical question. Who leaves the league in penalties? The Denver Broncos. So not only do they have to collectively get their chemistry together and get on the same page and change some things up personnel wise and, you know, mix up some play calling. They're doing all the little things wrong as well. Shooting themselves yeah. in the foot too. The turnovers. I mean, red zone turnovers. First couple of weeks as well. Uh, they're they're in trouble. My panic meter has gone from like four and a half to eight <laughs> in no time. So uh, I'm with you. Um, I guess. I guess like there's a couple things we could highlight. Kenny Pickett finally getting the universal. Hey, you're our guy for the rest of the season. So what's your take on that? Is the timing right? Um, I mean, might as well be, um, what I'm trying to figure out is 
how is this going to affect Deontay Johnson? Like that honestly, that's what I'm concerned about. How much is this going to affect Deontay? Are the targets still going to be because this offense could totally shift and Pickett could have a new favorite target? I don't know. I, I, I'd love to know, but I don't know. And so um, I'm going to have to stay away from the Steelers for a couple weeks uh, until I can figure this out, unless, um, you know, he comes out week one and everything looks about the same. Now, from what we saw with Trubisky, it was about the same. Deontay was going to get the most targets on this team. And then, but but Fryermuth was also picking up tons of targets. I, I just really want to see how it's going to go. I think if uh, Trubisky wasn't your guy, then you know if you felt like you saw something in Pickett to let him out there, let him out there. It looked it sure looked like the team was behind him. It seems like they had fun playing with him. Um, and so we'll, we'll see if that materializes, uh, how that comes to fruition this week. Because they've got a tough matchup with the Bills, which I don't expect them to win. If they're anywhere near competitive in this game, Pickett's nearly, he's not going to go, you know, he, he won't be coming out. Which it looks like it's his team anyway, but you get what I'm saying. If they come out and they're competitive against the Bills, it's a tight game. Like, people are going to be talking about Kenny Pickett even in a close loss. Two more. We'll do a quick lightning round here, and then we'll – Look ahead, and we'll talk about some injuries and how they're going to affect things, and we'll talk a little bit about the DraftKings world as well. But so the Kings of the Collapse, the Baltimore Ravens, shut out in the second half. Nope, I'm not accepting that. The Baltimore Ravens are not the Kings of the Collapse. All right, that's why we're going to talk about it. That's why we're going to talk about it. You know how I feel about this. Harbaugh is the King of the Collapse. (laughs) You can't pay Justin Tucker to kick primarily extra points. Do you realize, Justin, that he cost them another game this season by going for it on fourth down when you should have just taken the field goal? Man, you just called me Justin. That's what women call me when they're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> I'm just it's, – it's a point here. Harbaugh cost this team so many wins over the last three seasons by not utilizing – a field goal kicker that you pay money. A lot of money. That's my point. Yeah, sorry. Let, let's, let's, let me rephrase that. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> a lot of money. I don't understand why he gets so aggressive all the time. Because it's cost him wins and playoff seeding over the course of the past three seasons. If they kicked the field goal yesterday... At worst, this game is tied at the end. You're going to overtime with a chance. Last season, there I don't know, inside the 10-yard line, they go for it. He doesn't get it. They lose the game. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, let the man kick the field goals, and sometimes you just got to live to see another day. So I'm all for going for it on fourth down in the first quarter at the three-yard line when it's 0-0. But when you're at the 35 and it's fourth and two, and it's the fourth quarter with eight minutes left, kick the field goal. But right, like, like kick the field goal, take the points, and let your defense figure it out. Now, the defense isn't playing very well, and I understand that too. But at least you're giving yourself a chance with the field goal. 
And I understand if you get the fourth down, okay, you're going to eat more clock, gives you more opportunities for touchdown. I understand that too. But you got to, come on, take the points. It's because you're paying your kicker so much money. You got to let the man do his job. What are your thoughts on the shootout we saw between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, which was really over before the and you know before before it was over, it was over. What does it say about either side here? Are you panicking about Tampa Bay? Are you more impressed with Kansas City? A little of both. Uh, did it solidify anything for you after seeing the forty-one to thirty-one win by the Chiefs over Tampa Bay on Sunday Night Football? Or do I mean, we have more look. questions? I mean, the Chiefs are going to do their thing. They're an offense that's going to be hard to stop. And so get out, and they're rolling, and you can't stop them. You can't stay in the game. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get steamrolled. And so what happened in that game, and I actually did watch that game, they got out in a hurry, and the Buccaneers looked up, and it was 28 to what, 10? 28 to 7? You know, something crazy like that. 28-17, I think, at the end of the half. Yeah, and they never recover. Never. Um, they needed to, they needed to get stops. They couldn't get timely stops, and that that's what happens when you play a high octane offense. No matter who's out there, um, you know, it, it's just it's just how it works. Yeah, and I know the game script was a little troublesome early, but they had six carries. That's it. I know they're in a, in a bit of a hole, but they totally, completely abandoned the run. Like, completely abandoned the run. I That's half the recipe of beating a guy like Patrick Mahomes and company. You got to get yeah. the ground game going a little bit. And I know you yeah. have Tom Brady, but, you know, look look at Brady's numbers were, you know, incredible. 385 and three touchdowns. That's great, but they lost. <laughs> you got to run the ball. You got to get that going a little bit. Six carries? How is that even possible? I, I know the script was flipped early, but there was still a lot of time left. There's a lot of time left. 14-3, you know, I get it. Run the ball a little bit. Even 21-3 at the 11-minute mark, early second quarter, you're down 21-3, 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Establish a little bit of ground game. That kind of blew me away. Again, Tampa Bay is going to be competitive for that division, and we're talking about October football, so... Uh, and they scored 31 points. So, I mean, who am I who am I to judge their, their game plan there? So Well, I mean, but, hey, you know, end of the game, defense are playing a little loose, so we know this. They're trying to march down the field and score points. Yeah. Um, but Tom did have 195 in the first half, for what it's worth. He did. 195 yards passing in the first half. So uh, I'll, I'll throw these out there, and then I'll talk about some injuries, and then we'll look ahead. Like, we're, we're – you know, everyone wants to print the shirts for the Eagles, but – here we are, and Dallas without Dak is three and one, and the Giants are three and one. Daniel Jones is hurt though too, but you got to credit these teams. I know the Giants have had some ugly games, and they were able to fend off the Bears, uh, and of course Dallas with the win over Washington, which is fine. You know they're not a very good football team, but Cooper Rush did more than enough to. You want to talk about good backup quarterbacks? This guy has ascended into the top five backup quarter quarterback conversation. Maybe he's the best. Maybe he's top three, but. Two teams that look heavily flawed, but are both three and one right there, you know, battling against the Eagles, you know, in the NFC East here. Do you have anything to say about the Giants or the Cowboys before we move on? 
I mean, I, I, we'll see what happens when they get into division play because that's really where it's going to matter for them overall. Um, how does this division fare out? Giants get the Packers this week, and um, uh, the Eagles are playing the Cardinals. The Cowboys are playing the Rams. So looks like the Eagles should get a win. The Cowboys, this should be a much tougher matchup for them. And uh, the Giants-Packers, I feel like this is a fairly even matchup overall. Um, so so we'll see how it goes. That's fair. Let me rattle off some injuries. It was a really bad week for health. So uh, let's hope these guys, at least most of them, are on the mend sooner than later. Of course, we talked about Tua, who won't be playing this week, and we'll see what happens. There's no timetable for his return. Cordell Patterson, the two and two Atlanta Falcons, got a big win over the Browns. He's going on IR, and that stinks because he's such a great football player, such a hybrid guy, running back, wide receiver, you know, special teams. He was a great kick return for a really long time. Uh, he is dealing with an injury. He's on IR. He's going to miss Atlanta's next four games. Ugh, Javante Williams. We talked about Denver, and you hate to see a young kid like this with an ACL injury. I'm rooting for him. Uh, but we know the history with ACL injuries and running back, so the odds are definitely against him. But uh, he's such a great runner. I, I wish Javante Williams a speedy recovery. As I keep going down the line here, Jonathan Taylor got a little dinged up as well. Test came back negative. They play on Thursday against the Broncos. So we will uh, hopefully get some news on John Taylor sooner than later. Daniel Jones, he's considered day-to-day. Not only Daniel Jones, but Tyron Taylor got a concussion. Poor guy can't catch a break. So, looks like Davis Webb might start for the Giants. Man. In, and that game's in London against the Packers. And I, I, I agree. I think I'm not ready to say Aaron Rodgers is trash, as as it was frequently mentioned last week. But I do think <laughs> I do think the Packers are just carrying this, you know, name recognition that they usually do. Davis Webb across the pond on, on Sunday morning. I don't know, uh, but I will I will be watching. That will be interesting. Uh, Traylon Burks, I mentioned earlier. I thought he broke his ankle. He did not. He has turf toe. He's going to miss a couple of games, which is good news for the Titans. Jamison Crowder's going on IR after breaking his ankle during Sunday's win um, against the Ravens. So uh, that stinks. Speedy recovery for Mr. Crowder, hopefully. Jahan Dawson is probably one of the last big ones on offense. Super talented young receiver who's going to miss a couple of weeks with a hammy problem. A product of Nazareth, PA. Jahan Dotson, um, he's yeah. out this week against Tennessee. So Tennessee's missing Burks. Washington's missing Dotson. That's terrible for for everyone. But uh, here we are. I mean, geez, I rattled a lot of stuff out there for you, Chief. So Jonathan uh, Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. I, I he plays Thursday against Denver. He test came back negative. They're almost in do or die mode already, Chief. Right? Like they got to start stringing some wins together. Yeah, absolutely. Um... It, they just have to. Bottom line, I'm not, I'm not even gonna. They, they have to. That's it. Okay. Well, you know, Denver and Indy is not on the DraftKings main slate, which is great. So, I mean, we could look at a couple of salary saving options here, and then talk about some of these game environments coming up. Um, I, I'm looking at Atlanta. I mean, the the thing I'm probably going to avoid this situation completely in DFS. I mean, Algier, I, I, I think the kid's super talented. Um, him and Huntley pretty much split work. 
but I'm just, you know, Tampa Bay has a pretty good defense, and I'm thinking this might be a, a tough game script to want to play either one of these guys. They're both sub-5K. They're pretty good value, but, you know, I don't know what the snap share is going to be like. I think the game script will be bad for running backs, so honestly, I, I know, you know, there'll be some questions about Atlanta value this week, and people across the DFS community will be talking about them, I'm probably just going to avoid that situation altogether in DFS. I'm with you 100%. Um, let's look at another situation here. You know, we talked about Jahan Dotson being out for Washington. Um, well, he's not confirmed out. Ron Rivera said might keep him out a week or two, which is Coach Bigford is probably not going to play. So Tennessee definitely has some holes in the secondary. Caleb Farley's been terrible. Do you think this helps Scary Terry, or does this kind of – are you keeping an eye on, like, Curtis Samuel lines and stuff like that? Well, Curtis Samuel's probably going to get it, get his no matter what. So, like, he's not a guy that – like, he's involved in the offense, period. So even if Dotson's there, Samuel has a role with the team. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's how I feel about it. Um, in terms of, you know, the overall scheme, it seems like it's gone on more to, um, Gibson, Scary Terry, um, Curtis Samuel, probably the tight end position. He and Tom, like, that's what it feels like should happen. But Hey, who, who knows with Riverboat Ryan? I'm, I'm not sure, but, I, but, but all in all, I think those three guys, I think they're they're uh or those four guys, I think their role is secure. And everything should flow through all of those guys. Let me throw this one at you. Not an injury situation, but change of personnel. We briefly talked about Kenny Pickett and you said you're staying away from Deontay Johnson, and I, I don't blame you. What do you feel? How do you feel about taking some shots at George Pickens? I want to see what his you know uh, prop lines open up at. And he's forty three hundred on DK, fifteen targets across the last two weeks. Uh, he had like 70 of his yards in the second half when Kenny Pickett came in. Just something to keep an eye on. Should be a negative pass-happy game script with Pittsburgh against Buffalo. Might be playing a little Jekyll and Hyde guessing game here with where the volume's going to go, but I don't hate the idea of maybe keeping an eye on George Pickens' receiving lines here. And the books just have really no historical value to base any production off of with Pickens being a rookie. So he's not. You know, I'm going to keep an eye on Pickens, and uh, maybe I'll pick my spots here with him. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, Pickett is I, – I just want to see what happens. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah, I, I, just, I just want to see what happens. It's tough to invest money against the unknown, but, uh, you know, if, if he gets a really low number hung up on the board to open things up, I, it's going to be hard for me to not uh, take a shot or two over yep. there. You know, we didn't say anything about the Carolina Panthers. Do you want to have a moment? They play no. the Niners, who are playing on Monday night. I, I want no Carolina Panthers moments this week. <laughs> These guys. Are you sure? Man. I'm sure. So, another uh, injury situation. Again, like, I don't think anyone's going to play Teddy Bridgewater. He's 5,400. I, I mean, I can't recommend to play Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, how does this affect the skill players group here against the New York Jets? Uh, is it – are you – are you panicking a little more than if Tua was at the helm with a guy like Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle who aren't cheap on any DFS platform? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the Dolphins are going to be fine, to be honest with you. And here's what I mean. Teddy isn't going to lose them games. Now, 
is he going to win them games that they need is the question. But he's not going to lose them too many games. Do you get what I'm saying? Like he's, he's I know he had an interception late in another game, but typically Teddy's not a turnover machine. He, you know, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and you know make too many mistakes. So I mean, if these guys can uh, can keep rolling, like Teddy's going to be fine in his offense. Um, he's not as young as Tua, but in terms of playing the quarterback position, like. He's been in the league, so he's not going to go out there and get rattled. And, and I, so I think this team can still win games, uh, but I don't think they can go all the way. That's fair. Uh, one more guy I'm keeping an eye on for prop lines to open and uh, for a DFS maybe one-off is um, Robert Woods with Traylon Burks being out. I mean, he's the de facto polished, versatile receiver that's left. Uh, in that offense. I'm hoping his volume picks up a tad. Of course, we know that the target tree is typically pretty limited, but you know, if, if the King's rolling, they're just going to keep feeding him. And of course, since they're in the thick of the division race here, but you know, the Robert Woods prop lines have been pretty friendly and he's coming off a dud. Um, so uh, if we see something around 42 and a half or something like that, I'm taking a total shot here, a total dart throw here. I'm going to be interested in, in seeing how Robert Woods as, as the primary, primary target is going to unfold with Tennessee against a Washington defense, which has shown to be extremely vulnerable as we saw Cooper rush do his thing last week. Yeah. Um... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We'll see. I think uh, Dak's trying to hurry back. Um, and I don't, I don't think his job is in jeopardy. Like Cooper rushed it back up. So doesn't matter how well he's playing. If Dak's ready, I think he. I think they bring him back into the fold. So uh, we'll we'll see how how it goes. How do, you, do you think travel will affect the Vikings at all coming home uh, from London? You know they're playing the Bears. Obviously, you know Vikings at home you know, without any context seems like a direction betters are going to want to go, and uh, you know DFSers are going to want some Jefferson Jefferson exposure and anything like that, but. Coming off a huge high, a huge win over the Saints. That was such an exciting game in London. Yeah, right? no, that, seriously, pro- may have been the most exciting game this weekend in terms of back and forth. Uh, you know, like it, it ended up being a really good game. Andy Dalton, uh, backup quarterback, and there you have it. You know, 25-28. Can you imagine what happens if Lutz makes that 61-yard and they go into overtime in Lutz? That's what an incredible branding tool that would have been for the NFL overseas. Even still, good game. Um, I honestly don't know if the Vikings are going to beat the Bears here. And it's not that I don't think they can beat the Bears, but th- this team is so inconsistent every year, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with Justin Fields here in terms of his development and how, how he gets into this game. So I just – I don't know. I'm just not sure how this is going to go. 
I don't know either, but I'm bringing up scoresandodds.com, and we're going to talk about some spreads and totals and maybe some decent games that we like here. So I can tell you that the Bears are seven-point dogs. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I kind of like the points there. (laughs) I get it for sure. Hey, one thing we didn't talk about is the Chargers did what they were supposed to do and kind of the fact that nobody's talking about the Chargers right now is great for them because they handled business after – a hell of a lot of question marks and Herbert health issues and, you know, do they have the right guy coaching the team and Ken Allen forever missing a couple games every season and they just handled business and no one's talking about them, which means that's a good thing for, for the LA Chargers. So they got the Browns who obviously are a gritty uh, team in Cleveland. I think that game uh, might be pretty close. We didn't really talk about either team. Um, if you want to mention anything here, the chargers are three point favorites, 47 and a half total there. I think that sounds probably about right. And I'm probably going to avoid a lot of this game. Yeah. Um, should be, it's going to be an interesting game. What I will say is uh, Nick Chubb is leading the league in rushing and that's with uh, Kareem Hunt getting plenty of touches as well. Very, very interesting running back combination. Uh, they should be able to move the ball on on the ground against the Browns. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But Chargers coming across across the country, playing at one o'clock. Um, I, I I actually think the Browns might win this game, even though they lost to the Falcons. As crazy as that sounds, not- Chargers coming across the country. I, I I just the Browns may win this game. It's not crazy because this is the NFL. Every week there's surprises. Every every <laughs> damn week. Everybody's yeah. so good, man. Let, let me ask you this, just just temporarily. Yeah. How much better is this team when when Deshaun Watson gets there? Like what what like how much better do you think this is? Like, like without any context, he might take it might take a game or two to to get hit a couple times and actually be in a game environment in that offense. Like he can have the playbooks and do whatever, like off the you know. On, on downtime, right? But until you're in the game, I mean, what, week 11 he's coming back? I, I think he'll significantly help. But it just might take a couple weeks. It might be too little too late bringing him back. You know what I mean? Like, they could be very competitive. That defense is good enough. And Amari you know, Cooper's still been very good um, for the most part without him. I, I think he definitely helps, definitely opens things up. Like, strictly X's and O's and football talk here. We're not talking about anything off the field there with Deshaun Watson because – the Lord knows we we've done that already, and you know we've had the whole summer and everything that went on. We can't ignore like his God given athletic talent. That is just a complete difference maker, right, Chief? Like that didn't go away. Yeah, absolutely. So they could be the I best mean, team in that division with Deshaun Watson. Are, are, that's will what I'm they saying. be? Will they be record wise? It depends how much they can tread water, and really, what happens with Baltimore and Cincinnati. Well, Baltimore and Cincinnati started out stumbling. Yeah. So you get what I'm saying? Like it's if the Browns can if the Browns can be anywhere near five, like what if they're at 500? Then then the it, they the, got a shot. Then the roof is the ceiling. Then then I'm I'm probably betting Browns live to win the AFC for the hell of it. Like I'm, I'm probably <laughs> taking some shots. I should probably take some shots now with some lunch money since you know I had a pretty good week. Um I had a really good week this week, bro. Let me like, hear about it. It was insanely good in, in the prop in the prop side. Like I I barely missed 
any props. It, it was insane. So I was really, really, really great. great. And uh, it, it just, bro. I, I mean, I, I made really good money this week. I had I had a lot, and I had a lot of uh, a field goal kickers. I had four field goal kickers that all hit, and um, it you know it was it was glorious. That, that's all I can say. Had, had a t- had a ton of Henry. Ton of field goal kickers. It, it was a glorious week. You know, m- me and you put out a bunch of content. Um, we're both up over four units in our scores and odds premium picks alone, just premium picks. But you have so much content and so much invested with the prop shop and a prize picks that that doesn't even do it justice. So, um, tons of ways to get different exposures to your portfolios. Um, the scores and odds premium is just one of them. Like, for example, I wrote an article on Friday. I write sometimes. I do a lot of editing and a lot of uh, back end stuff. But every now and then, I got to scratch the itch and and put the pen to the paper, my friend. And uh, I want a quick four and zero uh, with my free article play under the scores and those news section. So uh, yeah. that was a really good week too. Um, I had Richard Penny over fifty nine and a half. Looked, at, I used Gridiron IQ and saw uh, a big discrepancy in types of scheme. Seattle's a big zone run team, and Detroit is terrible about you know. Stopping the zone run. I thought that was huge. So Gridiron IQ, which is one of our many fantastic tools between Roto Grinders and Scores and Oz, can really help you decipher some things here. So Richard Penny was a big winner, which went hand in hand, which um, I took the Seattle Detroit over, which was a cakewalk. And, you know, you got to love the cakewalk total hits, right? So um, there's like 90 points in that game. It was ridiculous. Anyway, uh, let's carry some momentum over. Of course, we really don't have any prop lines up, you know, recording on a Monday night here. So I wish that wasn't the case. You mentioned, uh, I'm just looking at some other games here we could talk about before we get into story time and GPP food of the day. Uh, Green Bay's eight-point favorites across the pond. We don't know the quarterback situation uh, for the Giants, but what's your reaction with that eight-point spread? I mean... Do we think they're good enough to actually cover it? Well, like they're going to get scored on. Like every, everyone was drinking the Kool Aid last week, nine and a half against the Pats. You know, that was that didn't work out very well. I mean, the, the Pats. Listen, first of all, the Patriots have probably one of the best coaches from our era. Um, in terms of winning and, and crafting teams to win. Now, he, he's kind of had to rebuild his team. And, of course, they're not looking as good as they did with Brady there. So it wasn't Brady, wasn't Belichick. It was a combination of both. They can meet in the middle. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, the Giants are better than they have. And I think they're better than the Patriots. Um, they just They're going to get it done in a different way. And so I think we can't look for Daniel Jones to throw for 300 yards passing. That's not that's not his game. He, he's more like a 200-yard passing guy. And as long as uh, Saquon is getting involved in doing his thing, Daniel Jones is going to pull some of those reads and run them himself. And he just needs to pick up seven or eight yards and, and, and hit the deep shot when it's there. Like, that's their game plan, I think. And so as a result, 
I think they'll be fine. He is day to day. I think Vegas believes he's going to win. I know we're neutral field here, but still, I feel like this would be nine or ten if we're on a if we're on a Davis Webb. I feel like we're looking at a ten point spread. Like, you know, Green Bay neutral field still got Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think Vegas thinks Daniel Jones is going to play, and um, yeah, I mean those games in London typically stay close even when they're bad. So. I I kind of I'm kind of with you. If Daniel Jones plays, I think I'm I might consider backing the Giants to have a little action with my breakfast on Sunday morning. Yeah, for sure. Whole show. Yeah, um, we actually do get Bengals Ravens on Sunday Night Football. So, want to talk about a banger of a divisional game? Two teams that I'm p- pivotal game, huge game in the division. Huge game. It's not on the main slate, but give me your synopsis of this one. That game is in Baltimore, three-point spread, 48.5 total. Like, does anyone have an edge in this one, Chief? The collective sigh. Maybe. I just... When you're looking at teams like this, man, it's to me it's like splitting hairs. Do you know how many hairs you have on the top of your head, Justin? Probably a little more, <laughs> Probably a little more than you, but a, a little, a little more. It's, and that's what this feels like: splitting hair. These guys, I mean, flip a coin, right? Like flip a coin. Who do you think wins this game, straight up? <sighs> the collective sigh. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. I. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna take Baltimore straight up. L- They're at home. I, I can count on Harbaugh to screw this up for them, though. Here, here's my thing: Baltimore really is giving up a lot through the air this year. And that's where the Bengals are going to hurt them. Like, now, right. like re- really talking about it. Like, that. that's where the Bengals are going to hurt them, through the air. So, you know. Yeah, you know, Lamar kind of balls out against Cincinnati. I mean, last five games against NC. Um, let's see, last October, he had 250 through the air, 88 on the ground. Um, he took five sacks, though. Uh, but he has... Three of the last five games have multiple, uh, multiple touchdown, mul- like more than one touchdown. Um, man, he had a game in 2019 with 152 rushing yards, just ridiculous. So, ah, man, I just think I like Baltimore in this spot, you know. Um, long, long time for Cincy to kind of be idle here after a big win, but you're right. I mean, did the weather affect? Buffalo not being able to move that football against, you know, Baltimore. I, I, I almost don't feel like it did. Like, they still moved so, the ball. It was just, just in a different way, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. I'm I'm taking – I'm going to go Baltimore. I want to say money line. Um, I don't know what the juice is right now. Oh, man, I'm not paying that juice. Minus 177? No thanks. No thanks. I don't like that hook, though. You can get Baltimore at minus three, though, in a lot of books. 
that that's probably my that's my lean right now without doing any analytical research gut yeah. call what about you? I know you. I know you want Harbaugh to blow this thing just so you can come on podcast next Monday and we can be like Jim Harbaugh really does stink, like for sure. But he does. You're right. So, can you back Cincinnati? Cincinnati money line here. I mean, maybe you. Know, you know what? You take Baltimore. I'll take Cincinnati. One of us wins. <laughs> okay. One. One of us wins. All right. You're right. One of us wins. <laughs> This, that's a win-win trophies. for the pod. It, it's like literally a win-win. Got any story times or food of the day or like a combination of both? Man, definitely have a food of the day. Um, so I, And I talked about Chef Claus Dawson the last time, but I actually had some of Chef's food. Had some what we call dirty rice down here in South Carolina. Oh, man, so good today. Rib tips with Carolina gold barbecue sauce. Shit, smoked chicken legs with Carolina Gold barbecue sauce. Just incredible. Um, I just, um, it was fantastic. Now, I know you guys can't can't get that uh, out, out of the state, but it was really good. Uh, I'm also going to talk about another restaurant here, Soul Cafe. I went to Soul Cafe a couple weeks ago, and you, uh, you guys may... No, I think Seoul is mostly mostly uh, local as well. But it was really good if you're in the Charleston area. Check out Seoul. Uh, just just good food. Um, yeah, let me go. And hopefully, people enjoyed the the, the uh, engagement story time last week. Things are progressing well. Planning for some weddings. It's 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 incredible, man. It's incredible. Yeah, what so a great you've time also and and listen. First of all, if we have any listeners down south in Florida, man, we're thinking of you. Uh, you know, hope all is well. I could not imagine you know, being in a situation that um, a lot of people have been in with uh, the storms coming up. And I, I bring that up as well because I know you kind of dealt with some of the remnants of um, you know, the hurricane that ripped through uh, Florida. So we're definitely thinking everybody and um, you know, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there, Chief. Um, you know, by the, by the time it got up to you, was it downgraded to like a tropical storm, if, if I'm right? It was, um, but listen, man, you know, if you would have been at my house, you would have thought it was not. Like, I mean, the wind yeah. was blowing hard all day, and it was raining all day. So imagine just wind and rain huh. for pretty much from the time I was. So it started in the middle of the night, like I guess, you know, sometime in the morning. And it probably didn't stop until five or six o'clock in the afternoon officially. And so imagine just all day, rain, wind, rain, wind, and it, you know, it flooded some places. Uh, but and so my internet was out for pretty much all day, all the way through Saturday. Um, but power stayed on mostly. We had some flickers and stuff like that. So listen, man, I was really grateful. And um, you know, if any of you are in Florida. Um, you're able to listen to this podcast, and hopefully we've been able to help uplift your spirits just a tad. Uh, I don't I don't feel like we had as many shenanigans this week, and that's okay. Uh, come back next week, and uh, they will they they'll be sure to show up. But hopefully everybody's okay, your families, and uh, I love you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, uh, same same. Well said, Chief. Um, I do have an interesting food of the day for you. 
I went to a Celtic festival two weeks ago. A lot of Scottish food there and some stuff I normally probably wouldn't get up up in the Poconos, but I was down in like Hellertown, Bethlehem, uh, which I've talked about from time to time. There's always, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Lehigh Valley. A lot of people don't give the Lehigh Valley some credit that it deserves. But um, anyway, so that was cool. We saw some like strongman competitions that were called the Highland Games where these massive dudes were like throwing kettleballs up over their head, like, you know, 60 pound weights and had to like clear a certain height and stuff like that. I mean, like these guys were just massive, uh, massive dudes in, in kilts, you know, but like, man, they would all kick my ass. They were huge, but that was cool to watch some like strength competition and stuff like that. But the food, the food was great, but um, I actually went to a like Scottish pub called the Braveheart Highland pub in Hellertown. Um, and of course they had a bunch of awesome, like traditional American food, but um, they also had uh, a Scottish section with a bunch of good stuff. And I had, uh, I had this dish, uh, they're called Britties. They're almost like, they're almost like an empanada or like, or something like that. But it was beef roast in like a pastry shell and you serve it over fries and it was topped with onion gravy. Oh man, it was, it was uh different, but man, did that, that hit the spot. So Got a little cultured in Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Big shout out to the Braveheart Highland Pub. If you're ever in the Lehigh Valley area, I totally recommend hitting it up and checking it out. Yes, sir. We getting out of here? Man, I think we're bouncing. Wow. We're out. We're out. Check out the Chief on Twitter. What's that Twitter handle, buddy? At Chief Justice 06. Look me up at DJ Carlucci. DM us anytime. We want to hear your food spots. And if you have any questions or any comments, message Chief, not me. I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> from a guy over here, Will Priester, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great week, everybody, and good luck. <laughs>